to the Soil Talk podcast. I am your host, Tim Mundorf, Nutrient Management Lead with Central Valley Ag. In Soil Talk, we will dive into managing soil fertility and applied nutrients while pursuing top yield. Today on Soil Talk, we've got a special guest, Mick Godekin's out uh, running around getting our innovation plots ready for our field days and for our uh, our virtual tours that we're going to be doing. So today I've got the opportunity to speak with Jason Krebs, our field sales agronomist from the Elgin and Neely area. And Jason kind of has some uh, special expertise in the area of hemp production here in Nebraska. So Jason, talk to us a little bit about how you got involved in hemp and a little bit about what the hemp industry in Nebraska looks like right now. You bet, Tim. Um, hello, everyone. I'm Jason Krebs, uh, FSA out of the Elgin, Neely area, as Tim mentioned. But um, I've been with Central Valley Ag for 24 years and mainly consisted of corn and soybeans. And two years ago, uh, a few members of the leadership team or the senior staff mentioned that they would like to have somebody um, to start following the hemp industry for Central Valley eggs. So even though I primarily work with corn and soybeans, uh, for the last couple of years, I've been kind of sidelining as, uh, or moonlighting as the CVA hemp lead. Talk a little bit about what the hemp industry in Nebraska looks like. I know, you know, obviously in Nebraska, we can't do, uh, you know, what we would term as marijuana, the the uh, more the drug type of hemp, which of course is legal in some states, but obviously is not here in uh, Nebraska. And I should say that the drug cannabis of that cannabis family, when we talk hemp, it's not marijuana, correct? That is correct. And you know, going back to 1938, in 1938, Nebraska was the third largest uh, hemp producing state in the U.S. And it was industrial hemp, you know, same as what we're growing today. And there's a huge misconception, um, the difference between marijuana and industrial hemp. And the difference is the THC content. You know, that's the, the attribute that gives you the euphoric high. And industrial hemp is classified anything that is below 0.3 THC, basically stating that there's no opportunity to get high off of it. There's very little THC in it. Um, you know, that is what is grown. That's what was grown in Nebraska last year. And that's what's being grown again this year. It's industrial hemp, the same as what they were growing back in the 30s. And, you know, maybe that's something that I should also mention, you know, back in the 30s, the reason why it got banned was because, you know, our government didn't have the testing um, capabilities back then to differentiate the two hemp's industrial and marijuana. So they just banned it all. And last year, there were only 10 growers that were approved for licenses. This year, they did open it up, um, unlimited license um, for Nebraska. And currently, we've got, I believe there's 87 um, growers that are actively uh, growing hemp. And, and, you know, that's why we began to follow it, Tim, is 
you know, it is going to become an alternative crop um, for us. And it's going to, you know, even though it may begin as only being grown on a few of our acres, it's still going to become um, an, an alternative crop on some of the acres that we service. So we want to be knowledgeable about it. And we want to be able to provide information and services and, and products to fit the needs of those growers. Now, the growers that you've been working with, are they growing mainly hemp for fiber or are they growing mainly hemp for the, the CBD oil market? Right now, it seems like the majority of it is for the cannabinoids, uh, the CBD and the CBG uh, for health reasons. You know, that is, that's the majority of the acres grown today in Nebraska. And Jason, that's a bushier plant, right? I mean, when you look at the fiber, uh, there's a lot more plants per acre. They're long, tall plants. Um, at, a lot of times when people look at, you know, historical uh, raising of hemp in, in Nebraska, especially, um, it was kind of more for fiber. But but what's being raised currently is more the, the, the bushier plant is kind of where you get a lot more flowers. And that's kind of where the, the CBD uh, comes from. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Uh, pretty much looks like a cedar tree farm. Yep. And, you know, it's grown on usually small, uh, small parcels of ground, you know, anywhere from one acre to um, 20 acres would be a large operation. And yeah, it's grown for the florals. You know, that's, that's where the cannabinoids will be harvested. And then they will be sent to an extractor. And then they will, uh, um, most of them will use like an HPLC extraction and extract the, the oils in the, um, from the trichomes. Yep. And those uh, farmers who are growing for that CBD and CBG markets, generally they have a contract ahead of time before they, uh, before they plant their, uh, their plots. Uh, it's not really an open market. Is that correct? Right. And for the amount of, of investment that a grower is going to have, yeah, you do want to have your end your end market pretty much contracted um, before putting in any, anything in the ground because it is a huge investment. And when you it reminds me of popcorn, you know, a lot of times all of the agreements are you know pretty much in stone before anything goes in the ground. When you talk about that investment now, CBD, are most of those farmers growing from seed or are they growing from plants? Uh, a lot of them are growing from plants, you know, either clones or from transplants. So, you know, usually the population per acre on a CBD or CBG farm, you know, you're going to be between anywhere from 2000 to 3500 plants per acre. Okay, now if you're using clones or transplants, you might have anywhere from $3 to $5 per plant. So if you've got a 2,500 or 3,000 population, quite an investment. Right, could be easily $10,000 an acre. Right. Yep. So Jeff, what's kind of the hang up on the fiber side? You know, the, the CBD is very expensive. Obviously, you have to have a contract ahead of time. It seems like maybe for a grower, it might be easier to, to go in on the fiber side of it. Just uh, go with seed, maybe a little cheaper upfront expense. Uh, you, you know, you don't have to necessarily have a contract. You just produce the fiber 
um, and harvest it. Maybe you, you bale it, you can use equipment that you've got now. What's keeping people from uh, going in whole hog on the, on the fiber side of, of hemp? Um, definitely the processing. Definitely the processing. Um, and, you know, that's the same with, with on the grain side and on the CBD, CBG side. Um, there's a lot of interest with our growers to have it as an alternative crop. Um, but there's just a lack of the processor. Um, consumer demand is there. Grower interest is there. But the ability to process it is the big bottleneck. And I know it's a long, it's going to be kind of a long, you know, process, for lack of a better word, of, of moving from really not having any capability to, to do processing of fiber and, and limited CBD contracts to, to becoming more of an accepted commodity and having more contracts out there available. But this year, uh, you participated in a, a research plot uh, over by Seward, Nebraska, right? Yeah, right there at the Milford exit. Um, the Midwest Hemp Exchange, um, led there by George Jones, and you know we've we've collaborated with with George and with uh, Dr. Andrea Holmes from Doan University, and yeah, we've got a, a research um, plot right there off the exit, and we just had a forum here last week where we invited growers and interested. Um, parties to come out and walk through the, the fields and listen to, you know, different professors and growers who've had success, I guess, probably more importantly is, you know, people with experience and, you know, everyone in Nebraska is learning. So it's a great research facility for everyone to come together occasionally, um, see what's working, see what's not working and just kind of start to form that network. Uh, probably more importantly than anything is form that network of everyone in the area that has interest in growing or uh, investing into being someday maybe a processor. And just, you know, learn everything together as a collaborative group is what we're after. Now, when it comes to actually doing the growing, um, you know, obviously you said our our populations are lower, especially on that CBD side, since, you know, we're buying plants at uh, you know, $3 a plant or, or doing some kind of transplanting. So probably our, our nutrient pull, you know, as we think about, okay, what kind of a field would work well for hemp? Now, my understanding is you need it to be fairly well drained, correct? Yep. Um, hemp does not like wet feet. Yeah. Um, well-drained soils, um, especially if you got some soils that have like a sand texture, mm -hmm. um, those would be the first that a person would want to choose on your ground. Are guys doing it irrigated or dry land or some of each? Um, the only thing that I've really seen on dry land would be the fiber side of it, fiber or the grain. Um, anything that is CBD or CBG, uh, that has been irrigated, either with a drip line, with drip tape, or even with overhead yeah. irrigations. And you've got such a large investment there per acre that it probably makes sense that you wouldn't want to, you know, just rely on Mother Nature for your moisture. Right. On the fertility side, um, of course, uh, that hemp plant, that cannabis plant, 
is not a legume, uh, probably similar to raising sunflowers as far as a, like a nitrogen recommendation goes, maybe somewhere in that 100 to 150 pounds of nitrogen <laughs> per acre. Be appropriate. On the on the CBG, CBD? Yeah. Um, actually, it's been very common to irrigated corn. Yep. Um, right around 200 to 250 pounds of applied nitrogen. Um, it's a big phosphorus user. So right there, I mean, we're applying right now on what we're doing this year in that 70 to 90 pounds of P2O5. Okay. Potassium right in that 70 pounds of K2O. Um, so yeah, on the CBD, it's it's very closely mimicked to irrigated corn. The one thing that's interesting that we've that we've learned is the timing. You know, you're working with um, essentially blossoms, so the timing it's been um, spanned out. You know, we're kind of spoon feeding it throughout the year, and we're trying to deliver more phosphorus actually later in the season and not have too much available early. That's a lot different than corn and soybeans. We, you know, we'll often think about in-season nitrogen, maybe some in-season sulfur, you know, for a grower who's a little more progressive, we'll move on to some in-season uh, potassium and other micronutrients. But phosphorus is almost always a pre-season multi-year application. You know, even, even if we're making an application every year, we're thinking five or 10 years down the road, we're not thinking about timing in the season. So that's quite a bit different than what we normally think of for corn and soybeans. Yeah, that has been a big change for me. Um, you know, just learning the process of applying foliar phosphorus and also to the soil, kind of in a multi uh, multi delivery method. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Like you said, we never think of foliar phosphorus. I mean, we'll we'll think of foliar nitrogen. Uh, we'll think of foliar micronutrients, um, but we never think of foliar phosphorus. So that's that's a whole different ball game compared to, you know, standard crop production here in our footprint. I was going to ask you the organic versus conventional fertilizer. I know you, you know, with uh, some of the CBDs, there's maybe some buzz around organic or wanting to be raised um, organic, like maybe not going for the full certification, but at least uh, using a lower amount of chemicals and synthetics. Uh, what do the growers think of that? You know, and that's kind of um, part of where we're at. You know, we're kind of in the infancy stage in in Nebraska with with the CBG and CBD, and the processors right now that's pretty loosely written as to how that plant needs to be treated. Now, a lot of the guys um, going into it and beginning the process, you know, they're taking on um, the platform of organic. You know, they may not be able to be organic this year. They're going through the, you know, the three-year uh, process to become um, organic through that transition. Um, so they're setting themselves up to be organic. And the fertilizers we're using, the chemicals we're using, you know, our, our plan is to work into that transition of organic. Yeah, that makes sense. And I know on those uh, research plots, uh, you and, and Central Valley Ag handled a lot of the fertility there. Um, does it look like you're going to have a pretty good yield there? Or is it too tough to tell right now? 
you know, um, the plants are pretty small yet. You know, we they were planted early July. You know, so we're looking for a later September harvest. So, you know, there's there's a lot of time between now and harvest. Um, the field looks great. So, yeah, we're very optimistic. Yeah, that you bring up a good point there. I, I didn't think of the growing season for hemp, but you're you're saying uh, transplanting a lot of times happening in July. So the growers that are doing the transplant, do they buy those plants ready to transplant or do they grow themselves or do they grow the plants themselves in a greenhouse from seed or small whatever? A lot of those were propagated from seed in greenhouses. So yeah, very good question, Tim. A lot of those went to the greenhouse in March. April and began began their their grow there and then when the plants were about 15 inches tall then they went to the field and, and some are doing clones so basically they're using a piece of the female yep. and propagating from a piece of a female that way they're guaranteed that it's feminized okay and is that done in a pot in a greenhouse as well yep or hydroponics gotcha okay because one thing with the CBG and the CBD there cannot be any males present. Okay. Can't, can't have any of them pollinated. So you've got to have a feminized field. Gotcha. And as you move from greenhouse to field, really you only need another two months in the field when you're starting with a 15 inch plant to finish out the crop to maturity. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And you're harvesting before the crop goes to seed. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yep. You're, you are just harvesting the floral. Yep. So that makes more sense that it's a shorter growing season that way or a shorter in-field growing season. Right. A lot shorter. Right. A lot of the harvest should be um, mid to late September. Okay. Definitely before the first frost. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. So as the as the industry goes forward, you know, if uh, none of us are great with a crystal ball, but as you look at it, you know, what do you think the next steps for the industry are? Is it, uh, you know, continuing down this CBD, CBG line? Do you think we'll have a processor in, you know, the Midwest sometime in the future that's looking for fiber uh, for another way for growers to, to go as far as uh, this hemp market goes? Or, or what do you see coming forward? You know, I think the CBG and the CBD are always going to have a demand, you know, for, for health reasons. Um but I do see the demand for fiber and grain in our area to increase dramatically. Uh, there's a huge demand for the fiber. You know, some of the leading uh, clothing manufacturers, um, actually the leading one wants to have one fourth of the fabric within two years be comprised of hemp now, and is jeans. That, is that Patagonia? Um, Levi Strauss. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. A, Patagonia has actually gone hundred percent hemp. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the yeah. names. Yeah. And you look at several different industries, you know, right now there's three auto manufacturers that are making their quarter panels out of hemp composite, um, clutch linings, brake linings, a lot of demand there in the auto industry, construction industry, you know, that's even bigger to make strand board, um, the concrete industry, they want to replace the fiberglass for fiber. So there's a huge demand um, to use hemp in, in the concrete, hempcrete. 
Sure. So the construction industries, they were saying that we, you can grow enough hemp on one acre to save the harvest of 12,000 trees. Wow. wow. Yeah. So it really is an environmentally friendly product when you look at it that way. It is. It is. You know, after I've been doing this for a couple of years, just understanding the hemp plant, it is honestly one of the most incredible plants for what it can do in so many different ways. Yeah. A really a great opportunity for Nebraska farmers. When you move to that fiber side, how is that being harvested? I've, I've seen some combines that do harvesting. I've seen some choppers uh, for harvesting. I've seen it uh, just uh, cut and baled. Um, are all those things common or is there a way that the industry is kind of progressing that, that, that would like? It is progressing. You know, the, in the past, you know, you're after, I mean, different genetics, obviously for fiber, you're after the ones that are going to grow 10 or 12 foot tall. You're going to go out there and essentially windrow them. And traditionally they would let them lay out there in what they called ret. They would lay out there for about two to three weeks until the bacteria actually started separating the fiber from the herd, which is the center of the plant. So they would separate, then you would go in and then bale it, and then it would go through a decorticator and you would have your fiber strands separated from the herd. There is a new process here just recently where they're doing um, green, green baling it and going right to the decorticator. So that's kind of a new process. Do they add a chemical then to try to start the the uh, decording, or is it something that uh, it's more mechanical? More mechanical, on the mechanical side of it. So yeah, that that industry is doing a lot of research really, really fast to get things online uh, for what the demand is demand is looking like because uh, there is a huge desire to reduce the amount of fiberglass and plastics in the world and using the fiber for hemp plastic basically they're putting on a, like a polymer with with the fiber and you've got hemp plastic and, and also the ability to replace a lot of fiberglass that's out there so jason if you're talking to a grower and he's got an interest, what do you usually recommend that they do to uh, get involved in this hemp industry? You know, one thing, probably the biggest thing that I've learned, Tim, is talk to guys that have been doing it, you know, kind of get in touch with a network of people, you know, similar to what we are and learn a lot about it before even even trying it, you know, and start extremely small. You know, all of the events I've been to, some of the guys who've been doing it for, for decades from Canada, one of the biggest messages that they'll say is start small. Start very small and don't invest more than what you're willing to lose. So really for a grower to set aside a quarter of an acre to just kind of give it a shot, not necessarily with the intention of having any first year sales to just see how it goes would probably make a lot of sense. And then if they feel like they're, they're comfortable with the process, then to go out and look for a market, but really not a lot of sense in jumping into a contract until you got a little better idea what you're doing. 
Right. Yeah. Right. One other question I had for you, Jason, is on the on the weed control side. What uh, what are the options out there? Because there aren't a lot of herbicides that are labeled for hemp right now. Is that correct? Yeah, there there right now there isn't any herbicides labeled for hemp. So you know we've done quite a bit of research ourselves, trial and error. Some good, some bad, <laughs> but we've learned a lot. You know anything on the CBG and CBD side? A lot of the guys are using plastic under it. Yeah, and then a person can just go or and mow or till in between. On the fiber or the grain side, um, you know you're going to start start clean. And moisture is, we found to be very, very important as to how well you're going to get started because the, those industrial hemp plants are going to come up and then they kind of stall out for a while. Well, if you've got moisture there to keep them going, they can outrun any competitive weed pressure. Now, if you're on dry land and the weeds can get ahead of it, then that's a struggle. So we've kind of worked with both ways. Gotcha. And then one last question for you on the grain side, and, and we haven't really focused much on that. What's the final product? Uh, what's that grain normally used for? Is it a flour or is it uh, animal feed? You know, I'm glad you came back around to that because we really haven't spoke about the grain. You know, the industrial hemp plants pretty much got three, three uh, um directions to go. One is a grain, one is fiber, and one is a CBD. The grain, there again, it goes back to consumer demand. There's a very large demand of hemp proteins. And a lot of uh, people out there that want to feed their families uh, hemp-fed eggs from egg from the egg layers being fed um, grain from hemp. Gotcha. And, you know, whether if it's swine, cattle, uh, right now, probably the biggest direction is through poultry. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, Jason, I really appreciate you taking the time to be part of the Soil Talk podcast. Um, I'm sure we'll probably have you on again in the future as this uh, this industry continues to develop and work itself out. And, and as more of our growers have interest, we'll we'll come back and revisit the subject. Sounds great, Tim. Thank you. You bet. Have a great day. Very good. Well, it's been Jason Krebs. I'm Tim Mundorf. This is Central Valley Ag and our Soil Talk podcast. Please join us again next time. Thank you for joining us on Soil Talk. If you'd like to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter at ACS by CBA. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Central Valley Ag. If you'd like more information, visit cbacoop.com and you can see our agronomy focus blog series every other Thursday. With Soil Talk, this is Mick Godekin and Tim Mundorf.